Welcome to Every A24 Movie on Blu-ray, the podcast formerly known as Every Horror Movie on Netflix. I almost forgot the old name of the show. It's been so long. I am Chris, and I'm here with Steven. Hey. And we're here with our friend Allison with an I. Hi, guys. Happy to be back. Welcome back. Patrick is off in Japan right now. Uh, He did send us a jigsaw tape that we're going to play at some point with his thoughts on this week's movie, which is Men. We're talking about Men. Alex Garland's Men. Men. Gotta love them. Woo! Uh, Do we? uh, But before... (laughs) Well, that's the the question, isn't it? Um... (laughs) But before we get into talking about men, we're going to talk about what else we've been doing, viewing, reading, consuming in the horror universe. We just had Halloween, so mm-hmm. hopefully you all did something horror-related. Um, Steven, what do, you, what do you got to report? Yeah, I got a few little things. I had a pretty good Halloween this year. I mean, it was cold on the day of, but the Saturday before I went to a horror drag show at our local bar, The Tap Room, that was an absolute blast. Uh, viewing-wise, I mostly revisited stuff uh, it was kind of a nostalgia infused halloween for me i watched elvira mistress of the dark for the second or third time that's a fun one have either of you guys seen that nope it's not not a not a great movie but there's some funny lines in it and some shocking and hilarious lines that involve elvira uh flirting with underage boys um that still make me laugh and also kind of horrify me every time. I don't think you could get away with that today. Uh, I saw, I started to see one of the Elvira movies. I think it was one that I don't think it was mistress of the dark. I think it was another one and it was horrible. There's also haunted Hills of ours. Yes. Hills, and that, that haunted Hills. Is I won't even I, go near that thing. That looks yeah, bad. It was bad. Uh, I also, I think it's a Halloween tradition. Now I revisited the WNUF Halloween special so much fun. I notice more more little details in the commercials and things every time I watch it. The ending still kind of leaves me cold. I, I really hate that ending. But if you want just like a mainline injection of Halloween vibes, check that thing out. I've been watching a lot of stuff on YouTube to get in the Halloween spirit. Do you guys remember when like Bravo and Entertainment Weekly used to do like the 100 scariest movie moments of all time? Yeah. That sort yes. of thing. So there's there is one from Bravo, the hundred hundred or hundred and one scariest movie moments of all time. It's like four hours long. I've just been leaving it on the background. And it's fucking hilarious. One, just to see like what what the horror zeitgeist was like, what television programming was like in two thousand four, whenever this came out, to see who was considered worthy of being a horror talking head at that point as well. There's like a lot of comedians in it, weirdly, like Upright Citizens Brigade. My favorite detail I've noticed so far is John Carpenter is interviewed for it, and he has a circular Band-Aid smack dab in the middle of his forehead for his interview. Like, he wants you to know he he fell down some stairs or something. Makeup couldn't take care of it. Wow. Um, pretty hilarious. And then, okay, lastly, I watched a movie that's been on my list for a while from four or five years ago called Sator. This is like a pseudo-documentary. The This filmmaker found out that his grandma, who had dementia and was, was about to die soon, back in the 60s, this she believed this being called Sator was speaking through her, and she did what she called automatic writing, where she would just write, scrawl on pieces of paper messages that were supposedly coming straight through her from Sator. In the movie, there's black and white segments that actually feature interviews with her, and you see the actual, quote-unquote, automatic writings, too, that were thought to be lost. And that stuff is all creepy and also kind of charming, because this grandma is, like, even though she's, like, she believes she was haunted by a demon, she thinks he's great, and that he could have really helped their family if they hadn't sent her to the psych ward, and she's just this adorable old lady, but unfortunately, uh, the filmmaker tries to graft a fictionalized story on top of it that just it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's kind of mumblecore. It's hard to figure out who characters are, what they're saying, and it just isn't scary. But I give it an A for effort. I've never seen a film quite like it that takes something real and extrapolates 
uh, a horror concept onto it. I'm going to pretend I'm possessed when I'm an old person. <laughs> Why especially not? If I'm in a, especially if I'm in a nursing home or something. I'm going to uh, do that thing. I'm going to pretend I'm possessed by the devil. I'm going to scrawl things. I'm going to have accomplices helping me do things in the nursing home and outside I'm going to like research the lives of the people taking care of me and be able to talk as if I'm connected to their, their dead people. Um, I'm going to have accomplices. I'm going to have apprentices. And then after I die, it's going to continue. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the taking of Chris. All right. Uh, Allison, what have you been up to? How was your Halloween? Oh my gosh. I got really into the Halloween spirit this year. I watched a bunch of really good horror. I read some good horror. I celebrated pretty decently. I did go and see Exorcist Believer. Oof. In the theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Oof is the right word. I think, you know, Exorcist was the first horror movie I remember watching at an age I was completely not it shouldn't have been able to watch it was like i was like 10 but my mom was very like you know laissez-faire with uh, horror things you know i was reading like her uh and rice novels when i was a kid and stephen king and so letting me watch the exorcist at maybe age 10 was not like a big departure for her so i've stayed pretty loyal to all things exorcist you know i read the i've read the novel a few times it was still hands down this maybe the only book that's ever really scared me um, but when this movie came out, I was excited. I was I had high hopes, and the reviews were terrible, so my hopes were not as high. But I still went into it being like, I want to love this movie, and it was fine. It was fine. I really wish <laughs> that <laughs> if someone were going to take a stab at this, that they would have made sure they did it really right. You know, it's like I was disappointed with the lack of just like going there like they just didn't have the courage to go all the way and i think you know obviously what made the original exorcist so jarring was that it was unlike any horror movie that had been made they crossed major boundaries and you know the status quo was completely departed from and it was just shocking and terrifying and this movie just didn't do that and i'm, I'm sad about it um mm -hmm. i know that it's like part of a trilogy that they're going to be releasing more of and i wish i were more excited about it but i will as a dutiful exorcist fan watch all of it <laughs> and try my hardest to love it um but it felt That's good i didn't i didn't know we had an exorcist correspondent for, you do yes show. i am the official correspondent of all things exorcist i don't know what the next boundary like i don't know how you could you know 19 was it 1973 i mm -hmm. think is the exorcist you know a, a different different age like I what, know. what can you do today that's as transgressive as that movie other mm -hmm. than maybe to just not make a movie <laughs> i'll right. tell you what you do you have two exorcisms isn't that what they do in this yeah. two girls get possessed yeah and i and i don't think it's a spoiler cuz people are talking about this all all over the internet but Ellen Burstyn returns for this and apparently is in it for like five minutes or something. Yeah. Is that true? She's in it, it for a little sounds... longer than that, you know? Okay. And I, I like that they brought her back. Um, there is a spoiler that I won't uh, talk about as far as I, I won't talk anymore about that, but I'm, I'm glad that they brought her back. That was nice to see and cool that she's still alive and kicking and able to do the role, but <laughs> I don't know. You know, Chris, you said, like, what could they do that hasn't been done? Like, I don't know. Ask, like, Ari Aster, you know, maybe have him make it. <laughs> maybe like, not the guy that made Pineapple Express, you know? Is that the case? Yeah, yeah. it's David Gordon Green, who also did the, the Halloween reboot trilogy, or, yeah. or um, legacy sequel trilogy, whatever the fuck it is. And, like, no one's going to stop somebody from making a movie, but I guess I just wish that there had been some, I don't know how these conversations go in Hollywood, but... That somebody would be like, let me partner up with you and let's do this right, you know, because this is... Well, they spent, like, what, $800 million or something on the rights to The Exorcist? Oh, no, that's more than the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy cost. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I can't be getting that number right, right? I can't be getting It was a lot of right. money. I do remember it making headlines. And for what? You know, like a lot of CGI. It just... $400 million. That's a ton of money. <laughs> It's still so much money for The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I for also, something that doesn't require like 
big sets or a lot of digital effects or anything either. I mean, it's a pretty stripped down concept. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, I'd love to know what they made the original Exorcist, what the budget was for that, because it was there was none of what they're spending money on now, you know? Well, we can figure that out easily. You know, it's part. <laughs> yeah. And 12, then 12 million. And then compare it to movies around the same time that were made. I don't know how we would do that, but I didn't love it. It was a screw it, I think, for me. So, bummer. I also, though, saw, I watched Suspiria for the first time, the original Suspiria, which I absolutely loved. What a great, what a great movie. You know, talk about, like, shock value on a budget. And I'm sure that they didn't have a small budget because there was some... I don't even know. You know, it was set in Italy and it had a, a lot of beautiful sets. And I don't know if they filmed on location, but like the cinematography was beautiful. The set locations were beautiful, but it was a lot of like, you know, body horror, gore factor, like creepy crawly things. But man, it just worked. It was so, so, so good. Loved that mm. movie. I watched The Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix. Yeah. We just, uh, Patrick and I, ran that one down on our last app what'd you think i liked it i really liked it i'm i'm also a loyal edgar Allan poe fan um i actually read the the story the fall of the house of usher before the uh before the series came out just to you know relubricate my experience and i really liked the show i thought it was sexy and i thought it was it's the modern interpretation that they you know used for the pharmaceutical company i thought was really topical and really kind of cool I like that creator a lot, Mike Flanagan. He's great. What do you think? I loved it. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I don't need to to relitigate it, but since you and I haven't haven't chatted, I, I just thought it was great. It's sexy, mm-hmm. like you said. It's very queer. It's very violent. It's very mm-hmm. nasty, which is uncommon for him. So I, that was a really pleasant surprise. And then lastly, one movie that I'm really looking forward to watching that I have not seen yet, but it's getting crazy reviews, is When Evil Lurks. Mm. So- I don't know if you guys have seen it. I don't know if you're going to talk about it in another podcast. So if you are, we don't need to talk about it. I also have top a- of my <laughs> list right now. That's a, that is also an exorcism movie, right? Is that the new Shutter movie? I think so. I don't yeah. know a lot about it. I just know I've seen it everywhere, and I'm like, I gotta really in- watch this movie with intention, like not after a night of like drinking wine. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe after so not tonight. <laughs> Maybe not tonight. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I've been up to. Well, I watched Five Nights at Freddy's, oh, <laughs> which to uh, it just came out in theaters, and it's uh, simultaneously on a on a streaming service. We won't mention, but um, <laughs> I liked it. I don't have any, I don't know any. Here's what I know: I don't know anything about Five Nights at Freddy's. I know that I hosted a stop motion animation camp years ago for like fifth graders. And half of them were fully obsessed with Five Nights at Freddy's and making, like, the fucking bear out of construction paper and doing jump scares <laughs> in their stop-motion video. Um, so I, I know it, it's very popular with the with the children and the Zoomers, uh, but I don't know anything about it beyond the premise. So I kind of went in blind. And was it a good movie? Not really. But it was fun enough because I got so much joy out of seeing these animatronic things, which are... They might be CGI in some shots, but for the most part, they're animatronics and they're puppets. Oh, nice. Jim, Jim Henson uh, created them, or his his studios created them. Yeah, from beyond the grave. <laughs> that would be spooky. Um, and I don't know. It, it, it's really like, it's probably as bad as a movie about this subject material could be, but I thought that the setting and the the animatronics were charming enough that I had enough fun with it. There's a fun scene where, you know, a little girl's hiding in a ball pit from the from the duck or the bear or whatever. <laughs> I thought that was cute. Can I ask, is is the narrative about grief in some way? Absolutely. It's I so- knew it. I fucking knew it. I was just joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's about trauma. And, and that's the, that's kind of the thing, because like, there's all sorts of dissonance in the whole movie. Like, who's this movie for? I can't really tell. Like, I don't think fans of the game are going to like it, because it's not... Again, having not played the games, it didn't seem super faithful to the game. And the stuff that's in the games, there wasn't that much of it in the movie. There were all these like long scenes of this guy, you know, flashing back to his childhood, dealing with his trauma. 
very like very Mike Flanagan, Stephen King sort of mm. stuff. It reminded me of, like of Doctor Sleep and stuff a lot. And I was like, the kids don't want to see this, <laughs> and it wasn't scary for the horror fans, and the game fans probably won't like it. But I don't know. I was I went I watched it to have a good time seeing some bears, and I I, <laughs> I had a good time seeing some bears. What can I say? My uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. Check it out. <laughs> my fifteen-year-old was obsessed with that video game when it came out, and so yeah. she she said she was going to see it a couple nights ago. I haven't checked back to see what she if she went or what she thought, but we need her to send us a a, a saw tape and then tell us what she thought. Okay, she's on it. Well, listen, we're here to talk about men. Our favorite subject. Our favorite <laughs> subjects. We we decided to bring a woman on for this episode. We were joking about how we would just stat, have like four guests and have them all be men, and it would be men on men. But um, that's my favorite genre. <laughs> we decided we decided that was unnecessary. But we're reviewing men. This is from Alex Garland, who did Ex Machina and Annihilation. One of which I've seen and enjoyed. One of which I haven't seen because Steven keeps teasing me about coming over and watching it with me, but he won't. <laughs> that list is getting long. <laughs> and this is the story of a woman named Harper, I believe, mm-hmm. who, I mean, like everyone in horror these days, she's experiencing some trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, her her husband, she just was trying to divorce her husband. Long story short, they, they teased this out, but she was uh, divorcing her husband, and there was some violence, and he ended up uh, jumping off a building to his death. And so she's trying to cope with that, tell her it wasn't her tell herself it wasn't her fault, etc. And so to get away from it all, she rents a very idyllic English countryside villa that is dates parts of it date back to the 1500s, but it's it's been renovated. It's it's old but it's new. It's new but it's old. It's it's perfectly instagrammable and she's <laughs> going to come out here and work from home and tour the gardens and get in touch with the countryside and all goes well except you know, there's a lot of men in this town. <laughs> there's a lot of men and they're all just they all just rub you the wrong way, so mm-hmm. to speak. <laughs> and some some of them more literally than others. <laughs> and so it's not long after she moves into this house that weird things start to happen. She starts seeing weird people having weird interactions that she'd rather not be having. And, you know, if that's not the makings for a social thriller, I don't know what are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she goes to this house to heal, you know, it's like, as her friend, one of the only other females in this movie, her friend that she's FaceTiming with the whole time, who's American, says, you know, you you chose this place to heal, and you gifted this to yourself for two weeks, and basically, like, everything that's going on, like, fuck that, you know, she's rightfully frustrated for her friend, because she's not asking much, she just wants some peace and quiet, <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't need all these men lurking around. Nope, certainly not. <laughs> it's, it's a hard movie to talk about because, like, like a, a lot of these A twenty four movies we've been doing have been not super plotty. They've had pretty, like, you know, you watch these like these first features by these indie directors on Netflix, and it's like, oh, I had nine movie ideas, and I put them all in my first movie, <laughs> and and here's a story about a girl who gets kidnapped, but her kidnappers are actually ghosts, and the ghosts are actually twins, and the twins actually burn down the library, all this stuff. This is simple. She's in the country. There's men afoot. <laughs> and to say more than that it almost gets you into spoilers but um yeah i mean yeah. we couldn't talk much about the movie without talking about the men <laughs> yeah. and thereby yeah, talking about the spoilers yeah it, it does what it says on the tin as the brits like to say but you guys shocked me right before we started to record we did. you shocked me shocked chris because all of these men I think every man in this movie is played by the same actor, Rory Kinnear, uh, who I don't know from anything. Nope. Uh, which makes it probably easier for him to blend into some of the personas that he plays in this, because sometimes I was not sure if it was him or not, um, especially with some characters that are like a little bit more background in the beginning that play a bigger role later in the film. 
and that lends it this really eerie eerie feeling that I, I've never experienced anything quite like it in a movie because he, he does look different enough in each of these roles. You know, he's got, there's a lot of prosthetics going on he's got some really bad teeth for his sort of main persona that he plays. But I really did start to feel kind of claustrophobic in the way that Jesse Buckley's character does uh, just by the fact that not only are there only men in this town, but it's really all for all intents and purposes, the same guy. Yeah. Guys, I had it, I had no inkling that the same actor was playing these men. To be fair, I did a second watch this weekend, and I knew obviously I knew by the second watch that that was the case. But to your credit, Chris, the first time that I watched this movie, I had no idea that it was the same actor until almost the very end. And I will totally shame myself and say I was like. I think all British middle-aged men kind of look the same. <laughs> Apparently, I do, too. Wow. Gun to my head, I would have sworn that there were eight different male actors in this movie. Yep. Um, Just like a woman to say all men look the same. All right. Oh. All right. <laughs> but, no, I mean, I, there's, there's no there's no shame in not recognizing it. I just, I did, and I had to look it up. I'm like, wait, because a couple of them are, like, strikingly different from how his even just his basic features looked and i kind of wondered i mean he plays a kid in this too which is yeah. super so creepy. i i mean i did i was distracted by that because there is a kid who has polar express face it's yeah. not even like it's like rotoscoped on it looks yeah so weird. it's it, it, it's really like it's not like it's not like digital de-aging it's not like you know deep faking it's like it's the polar express <laughs> i love that you said that that's so perfect He's like a kid uh, with so a that, man face. Yeah. So so I was like, I was like, all right, this kid just is trying to be, un and no one was, everyone's talking like he was a normal kid, which was weirder. Cause like, cause in that scene, like she talks to the kid and then the priest comes out and I thought that they'd be like, oh yeah, that kid has this condition or right. something, but they're like, no, that's a normal kid. <laughs> I'm like, it's not a normal kid. But um, yeah, so that's, that was my aha right before we started uh, recording when you guys mentioned that all these people were the same character. And I mean, it just never crossed my mind because it's such a crazy choice. Well, so now knowing that, like, what's your organic first impression when you hear that? Like, what was the message that, that the, the director was trying to send or the writers? I mean, I, I, I think... I think the movie, even if it weren't all the same man, does some visual things late in the movie that communicate that all men are sort of part of the same pathology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so I think that's what what the casting decision was for. But yeah, I mean, well done, because I mean, maybe maybe more savvy viewers like you guys caught on to it, but it it, did, it certainly didn't feel like a gimmick. It felt like a very yeah. invisible choice. It did, and it lends to... I mean, there's a folk horror element going on in this as well. We've got a green, classic green man sort of figure in this. I don't understand the mechanisms of all of the, the folk horror ritual shit that's going on in the background. I'd be curious to hear your guys' take and if that was maybe clearer to you. But I, the choice, I don't know, it makes an odd amount of sense to me because it does make just the presence of these men feel even more conspiratorial that they're all played by the same guy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think they're meant to represent different, like, archetypes of men, right? So we have, like, the first guy that we meet is sort of quirky, older man. Um, he's the owner of the house. He has a calming presence. He's genuinely trying to help. He gets her bags. He gets her a tour. You know, he, like, he, he's, a, like, a little bit creepy, but, like, kind of endearing, you know? So there's this sort yeah. of father archetype there. And then we have the priest, obviously, who's meant to be this like spiritual leader archetype, who's who's meant to just bestow like spiritual wisdom and, and from a non-judgmental place, which he totally botches. Yeah. And we have like shitty teenage boy archetype, you know, we have like so many different types of men in different uh, phases of their development being represented here. Yeah, you've got like the football hooligans at the bar. Right. I, I, it's been a couple of days since I've seen this movie, so my my memory is starting to fade. But yeah, you're right. There there are a lot there are lots of different archetypes. I think even with that, I was fascinated by the I don't know. I want to call him the main man because he's on the poster, but the the guy who owns the house that she's renting. 
like you said, Allison, he's got kind of a calming presence at first, but yeah. then I quickly started to see that classic trope of like, he doesn't really think that Jesse Buckley is capable of like existing for herself. You know, he's, he's very much like, you know, I'll get your bags. I'll fix this. Don't worry about that. It's all taken care of. You know, it's a little pushy. It is a little pushy. Um, and I found that very off putting from the get go. And the fact that she like lied about being able to play the piano you know, he said, oh, there's a piano. Do you play? And she oh, said, right. no. And right then later she's playing beautifully. But it's like that in, a, in and of itself is like, I don't want to perform for you. I don't want to perform for, for a man. Mm. You know? and, 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 you know, had she said, yes, I do play. We know the follow up would have been, well, can you play me something? Right. And so, she's like, I'm here to relax. Give me the keys. Show me the ladle. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, totally. <laughs> or it just... Or it just, you know, opens a door. It provides him access. It, it, it's like, because he had already asked by that point, I think, about her husband, mm -hmm. you know, in a way that's like, all right, is this normal because she made the reservation under Mrs. or something? Or is this guy, you know, got impure intentions here? And you get the sense that it's like, she just doesn't, she's not interested in having any sort of personal interaction with this guy. And he might be fishing for some. Mm. Um, which I think, yeah. I think in her mind, in a way, she, and if I were her, you know, you can chalk some of that, like, not PC stuff, like, oh, where's the hubby? You know, he asked because she checked in under misses. You can chalk some of that up to, like, the older generation that doesn't know not to ask those questions. And I think, coming from a woman, Chris said earlier that I speak for all women today so i'm gonna wear that did i say that i might i don't know if i said that i but, think i said but. that and not today but always <laughs> yes thank you when i need a question when i need when i when i want to know the the women's perspective i call allison oh that's nice <laughs> you don't ever call me though so <laughs> he doesn't need it that, that's how much I, that's how you much i care about the female perspective <laughs> right you just outed yourself um but i think as a woman if i were her you know i think we chalk so many things up that old men do to like oh that's their generation you know and mm -hmm. and i think that's legit you know like a lot of the conversation has changed around you know what's acceptable what's not what's offensive what's not boundaries and things of that nature and, and a lot of those things changed after that generation you know so it's just another example of like permission that we give because it's much just what older men do <laughs> allison have you seen creep yeah i've seen that movie like three or four times this movie reminded me a lot of Creep. Interesting. Let me um, because it, it plays the same game where it's like, here's a man, and you can't tell. Like, there's, it, it, and again, when we watched Creep, um, and uh, we all. I think that that movie and this movie really work as sort of an empathy machine for men in particular to sort of understand the uh, woman's experience of interacting with a man and being like, doubting yourself about like is this guy creepy or is he just a little little off a little a little um eccentric yeah yeah how know? much how much allowance should we give a person exactly and, and when you i love that that works so well in a horror movie because how much allowance you give that person can have very dire consequences right Mm -hmm. Like yeah. just one of the very first things we, the first negative encounter that our, our heroine has in this movie is she's out walking around, just exploring, encounters a deep, dark cave, which is shot in a very ominous fashion. So it's priming us to think it's a little scary, but she goes into the cave and she's having fun with the echoes in the cave. And then there's a shadow. Uh, there's a man who stands up at the end of the cave and he's clearly just been sitting there silently for as long as she's been in the cave. And now he's standing up and now he's walking her way. And it's he's like running. Started running her yeah, way. Yeah. Running. <laughs> and it's <laughs> like, is this is the how much benefit of the doubt do we give in that situation? Uh, yeah. Probably not much. Right. And then do we ever figure out if that was the same guy that she saw in the field just a little while later who was standing by the outbuilding, like completely naked, who then shows up in the garden? who then shows up everywhere. <laughs> like we just, yeah, who knows? I think it's, I think we're meant to think that it probably is, but yeah. who can tell? Who can tell? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of gaslighting going on with that situation too, because she, you know, right, rightfully kind of sounds the alarm when she sees this naked guy outside of her house. And because home caretaker Rory Kinnear can't see any evidence of him, he, he thinks there's no, no reason to worry. 
no chance that he could come back. And if he does, we'll deal with it then. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's another that speaks to exactly what you just said, Chris, about the movie Creep. You know, how much um, leniency do we give people? And, you know, when she's in the bar and she finds out that the police have let this guy go because there wasn't enough to keep him on. You know, she's terrified as she should be. He stuck his hand in the mail slit and was banging on her door and creeping around her windows. And and now he's out. And, you know, it's like, well, that's just crazy old so-and-so, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. more gaslighting, you know, it's just. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's something not even on a, on a personal level. Do we have that like that that tension between how much leniency should we have with people? What should we allow? When do we decide that someone's actually up to no good or a creep? But like the legal system, you know, I've I've known women who have had issues with men and it's like. The legal system is not very well set up to protect them because mm-hmm. the legal system's afraid of being overbearing on people, <laughs> you know, um, and or not taking the, the women seriously. But um, I don't know. Something I thought about when I was watching this movie, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show before, was uh, I was dating somebody once who had a long story short, her, her ex was stalking her and broke into her house during the time I was dating her. She was not home yeah. at the time. Um, but he was let out of jail on bail, um, you know, after one night. And so I was staying at her house. I was one of several people who were taking turns staying at her house, uh, you know, as sort of a security detail. And it's just so fucking scary. And this movie gets there to be walking around a house at night and you think that there's probably someone out there looking at you from the dark. Mm. Um, and, and we have scenes like that in this movie where after the, she knows she's in a forest with a bunch of creeps, she's, you know, trying to relax at night, but the big picture windows right there and the dark forest is outside and you just, you feel like you're being watched. Yeah. Um, and that's something that is something I have I have firsthand experience with, and it's very uncomfortable. And um, uh, Lee Winnell's the, the Invisible Man makes me feel that way too. Oh yeah, it's very good at that. But I always say, and I think I've said this before when we've talked about the movie The Strangers, because it's still one of the scariest movies ever for me. Because what really scares me is crazy people being crazy. It's not the supernatural. It's not paranormal. It's not stuff that you'd have to really suspend your belief to to be afraid of it's crazy people being crazy but at some point this movie moves from crazy people being crazy into like something very supernatural and i don't know exactly where it happens but right would you guys agree you can feel that oh yeah yeah and and yeah that's kind of what i was saying about the the fact that like all these guys are played by the same actor and makes you feel or made me feel at least knowing that like they're like something supernatural has to be going on here. Yeah. And we've got to be building to that because this just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't seem like she, you know, she never, she never realizes that they're all the same guy. Right. So there's a discrepancy. Well, are they really, I mean, is that like, I, I know this movie is very dreamlike in so many ways. I mean, it feels like a fairy tale, the way it's shot, you know, with the, the falling apples and the, right. all the imagery in the cave. It feels like a classic fairy tale and i can't point to one in particular because i'm not too well versed in in that kind of literature or i thought of a midsummer night's dream oh not that i i not that i know a ton about shakespeare but they do mention the 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 landlord mentioned shakespeare he does yeah so my my i start tingling i'm like okay why why is he talking about that and the house like i said dates back to shakespeare's time so anytime you actually bring up shakespeare and we're in england and we're traipsing through gardens and there's like a forest nymph guy and that sort of dreamlike feel i'm thinking Oh, maybe we're maybe we're playing on Shakespeare, but that's as far as I can take it because I'm not smart about Shakespeare. Well, and I, I'm I'm just thinking like, okay, the casting decision is like, are these really all the same guy, the same manifestation of something, or is it more for the audience to unsettle us with that kind of uncanny recognition? And I don't have an easy answer for that, and I kind of like that I. Yeah, it lends the whole thing a a much more kind of surreal, inexplicable quality that I found really fun. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting that you said Midsummer Night's Dream, Chris, because the premise of that play is there's four four boys that run away to the fairy to the forest and a fairy kind of makes 
makes two of the boys fall in love with the same girl. So there's sort of some parallels there, right? That aren't Mm -hmm. maybe obvious to the average person, but like all of the interactions that she has with all of these various men, I found myself asking, what do they want from her? Do they want, do they want sex? Do they want to hurt her? Do they want her to love them? Do they want her to be afraid of them? It's like never clear, you know? Is it Mm -hmm. ever with men though? Right. Well, (laughs) I mean, seriously though, (laughs) especially in these casual interactions, like I, 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 I am terrified of men. I can't even imagine what it would be like to be a woman and to feel that you're probably being objectified and not taken totally seriously in most of these types of situations, just automatically. Yeah. Yeah. There was some reference to um, at the beginning of the movie where she picks up an apple off the ground and the the house keeper, the father archetype that later is a psychopath, references original sin. He said, you know, did you eat an apple from the garden? You mustn't. It's original sin. And then he says he's joking. But there's a moment where you're like, okay, so that's something, (laughs) you know, because there's a lot of sort of religious references later, but they're more paganism. They're more, they're less Christian, I guess, in their nature. But I think that this concept of original sin is sort of a is a tie-in through the whole movie. Yeah, doesn't the um, there's more gaslighting going on there too, right? Doesn't the vicar again? My memory is starting is getting even fuzzier as time goes on. Doesn't the vicar blame her for his sexual desires? Yeah, at one point. And he basically said, you know, your husband beat you up, but what did you do to deserve it? Mm, yeah yeah men will be men you know men hit women and it just Mm. completely invalidating and just that same boys will be boys trope where it's like she goes fuck you at the end you know fuck off because she's like are you really victim blaming me right now (laughs) like (laughs) and then even her husband but while he's in while they're in that scene and he's pleading with her implies that she should have more loyalty to him because they were married in a church. I don't know if you guys picked up on that, but there was like some religious guilt and shame that he was using manipulatively in that scene to like toy with her emotions. So some weird religious stuff going on there. I think I read that Alex Garland said part of part of writing and, and directing this movie was him trying to analyze like something along the lines of why are men like this, <laughs> like including himself. <laughs> okay, well, I was just going to ask you guys, like, okay, Jesse Buckley is fantastic and everything. She's wonderful in this. I mean, we have a great you know, appropriately powerful female performance at the center of this movie. But the whole time I was just thinking, what would possess a man to think this is his story to tell? And I, I yeah. like what you just said, Chris, because uh, it, it feels like the only way that you can get away with it is if you are looking inward and trying to better understand yourself as a man and your place in the world and your relationships with women. I think that's where he's coming from. Okay. And I think that the the movie, time and time again, kind of shows us that this this premise about men and their relationship to women, it, it's a universal thing. It's, it's, we, you know, we see this, all these archetypes and they're all connected through the performances and through time, going back to the Bible, going back to whatever stone thing she's looking at in the church, going back maybe even to nature itself with the nature man. (laughs) So I think it's saying that like, there's, there's an element here that is, crosses time, crosses culture, and it might just be part of nature um and i don't think that i don't think he's condoning it by Mm. putting it in that that way but i don't know i have to sit down with him and ask him i suppose yeah or trash a story as old as time (laughs) (laughs) it's or or more what i got out of it was like men women are to blame for the sins of men Mm. women are okay i like that right so she was to blame for her husband hitting her and then ultimately killing himself or falling that's never clear she was to blame that she didn't want to play with the little boy with the weird face she didn't want to play hide and seek with him so she deprived him of his fun right she didn't want to 
you know, when the vicar puts his hand on her leg, I was like, get your fucking hands off of her. Like, I just felt disgusted by that. Right. But yeah, but she was yeah. to blame for not validating him. You know, she was to blame for being afraid when nature nude guy is out of jail and she's afraid. It's like, well, you know, whatever. It was just. I think that's the tale as old as time. And I hate to say that and sound like the biggest feminist in the room, but I will. And I think that was sort of the, what, what I got out of it. That was the theme I got out of it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a really smart read. I mean, I've been spending a couple of days trying to unpack this thing and figure out like I spoilers. I loved this movie, but I I couldn't quite figure out if there was anything more than just surface level in in the concept itself that it had to say or communicate. And yeah, your your take on it is really getting my gears turning, Allison. Yeah. I mean, even when she was acting in self-defense, when she knifes the arm through the door, which is just one of the most gruesome things I've ever seen, she's to blame. You know, you hurt me. It's like, well, Mm. you you were in my space threatening me. Mm -hmm. You were fingering my slot. slot. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And I mean, it's not even it's not even her space, which might be important. Because it's, you know, she she doesn't have a space of her own in this movie. She has a house that she's renting from a man who has a power dynamic over her. Mm. Who could she, enter at any time. Yeah, who could I mean, enter like, at any time. Who seems to be in the, in the internet, in the Wi-Fi, <laughs> inexplicably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> One so. of the most one of the most interesting takeaways for me is, and I have to say, I read this in a think piece, but then I thought more about it and and saw everything through that lens and then couldn't unsee it. it was like, what do we actually ever learn about Harper? We never get into any character development with her. You know, there's no time to with all these men running amok, right? Like say that louder, though, right? <laughs> like we just yeah. don't get she she doesn't get to be developed at all as a person as a character. Because mm-hmm. there is just all this shit being thrown at her. Like we know as much about these men as we do about her. And she's the main, mm-hmm. she's the main, she's the heroine, she's the protagonist. We don't know anything about her. We don't even know what she does for work. She's not a work. She's for like only defined minutes. by her relationships to men. That's exactly right. Wow. Yeah. This movie does not pass the Bechtel test. It does not. <laughs> whatsoever probably intentionally i mean yeah i think that's the point of it right yeah i wish i had that jordan peterson drop what are we gonna do without men (laughs) i want to just drop that throughout this episode how am i gonna finish my alex garland box set without men (laughs) Um, well listen let's 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 go down to the spoiler room and talk more explicitly about these men uh but first (laughs) We got to review it. So, um, Stephen, you already, you already, I think you said your review. So, um, would you view it, cue it, or screw it, man? I would totally view it. I actually, this is like one of the first, one of the only movies we've reviewed for this podcast, and not just this podcast, but our former podcast, uh, that I actually almost watched twice. Um, I didn't end up having time to cram it in a, a second time, but I've got the the Blu-ray from the library ready to go sometime later this week. I just, I love this. Even if you just take it at surface level, which I kind of did on my first viewing, um, it's really well-directed, extremely well-acted. I mean, Rory Kinnear should have gotten an Oscar. Yeah. I mean, for being able to to blend blend in so well, um, but I'd no rather. No one knew what... it was him. No, no one. I know. Knew it no one knew. Multiple roles. Also, like, he just played the landlord. That's but I mean, really, Je- Jesse Buckley should should have got an Oscar. I thought she was absolutely fantastic in this. Uh, it's it's just beautiful to look at. It's very dreamy, very surreal. It's got my folk horror elements that you know I love. Lots of sticks and uh, stones and things going on. And it's weird as hell. The final act of this thing had my, I had my jaw on the floor. I mean, I could not comprehend what I was looking at at first. And then I just couldn't look away as it kept happening. And I felt sick in the best possible way. You know, I was getting kind of Stuart Gordon-y sort of 80s horror vibes from it. Um, Yeah, 
and ultimately i think the the message of it even though a lot of it's kind of telling me things that i already know it still felt pretty powerful to me so that's a big big view it for me allison would you view it cute or screw it oh my god view it view it at least twice and then like show it in a college class that's just for men (laughs) (laughs) also side note they really need an oscars category for horror like what are we doing here (laughs) can i I, i'll disagree with you there i think horror just needs to be taken more seriously and sit alongside other genres sure okay that's fair but i just think a lot of i I don't think it would have a a standing chance against movies that martin scorsese are making you know men mountain martin scorsese i don't know i digress but view it (laughs) view it view it view it this movie was brilliant and it was weird and it was it got into you know so many important elements of grief and trauma and healing and sexism and aid and how we deal with mental health issues and how we deal with mentally unhealthy people and you know just big sociological issues that i think it didn't even necessarily mean to but it just had a lot of really good stuff it was creepy it was weird i already said that but view it fuck yeah view it chris so i i have to be a little difficult here having this conversation has reminded me a lot of all the things I liked about this movie, and I, I want to continue to talk about the things I liked about this movie. I'm going to give it a screw it, though. Sorry. Oh. Um, I I did not like the movie that much, and especially in the last act, which we haven't really talked about at all, I just thought it was a little too dreamlike, a little too uh, hitting you over the head, a little too much with what is... I think like Steven said, it's, it's, it's not that complicated of a message. We're trying to pull out some other themes and things of that nature. But, um, I, I didn't think that any of the airs that the movie puts on in the end added any nuance to its message. It just kind of told you the same thing over again, over and over and over again in a very explicit ham fisted way. And I think that, I mean, honestly, I'm a big fan of Ex Machina, and I Mm -hmm. think Ex Machina actually uh, deals with a lot of this subject matter. Uh, It's been a while since I've seen it, but I think it deals with a lot of the same basic subject matter and interrogates the way men view women. Hmm. Instead of like trying to talk about the the universality of this male experience by just literally casting the same man for everything, (laughs) you know, like I I just think that there's a it's it's the message didn't blow my mind and i think it's been done with a little bit more in a more interesting way and so that just really kept me from connecting with this down the stretch when it just gets more and more abstract and dreamlike Mm. um, but doesn't really seem to be presenting anything new i guess Mm. so kind of lost me but well crafted i certainly don't fault anybody for liking this and it's it's certainly a, a good movie to make you talk and make you think so yeah, so we're so still screw friends, it. right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> screw it. Sorry. So, listen, just because Patrick's in Japan, he's going to get in on this review conversation, too. He sent us a message. I have not heard this yet, but I will play it now, and we'll see what Patrick had to say about men. Hello, Chris and Stephen. I want to play a game. You've spent the past six years as men reviewing horror movies. Now, to survive, you'll have to watch a horror movie that reviews men. Just kidding, it's Patrick. Sorry, Chris, it's not time for Soxy quite yet. I'm way, way out of the country in the home of my hero, Junji Ito, but I wanted to leave you guys a quick message to say I miss you and share my quick thoughts on men. Gotta say this is a view it for me. If it's got a shortcoming, it's that I don't think it necessarily has anything particularly fresh to say about toxic masculinity and men's predatory behavior towards women. But man, if the substance is a little lacking, the style is incredible. Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear both knock it out of the fucking park. The cinematography, production design, and costume design make every shot just a gorgeous feast for the eyes. And of course, who can forget all the crazy shit that goes down in the ending? Between this and Annihilation, I think Alex Garland's psych horror freakout is one of my new favorite film genres. Anyways, loved this one. And before I go, I'll leave you with my pick for next episode. 
So far on our A24 horror journey, we've watched a lot of movies that are generally pretty well regarded, so I thought I'd shake things up a bit and drag us back in the direction of our normal Amon film quality. We're going to be watching Kevin Smith's Tusk, and I'll say up front that I fucking hated this thing when it came out, so I'm just hoping to find someone to commiserate with. Anyways, miss you guys, love you, and I'll see you soon. Bye! Why is... Why does he got to uh, do us right. dirty like that? Come Bye, on. Patrick. M- miss you too. But you know, if you troll, <laughs> if you troll a man, expect something dirty in return. That's also, it's not say. lost on me that he said hi, Stephen and Chris, and left Allison out. So we thanks, didn't know Patrick, until a few keeping days with ago. the theme of men, women that don't exist in the presence of men. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all the way okay. from Japan. That's that's. <laughs> That's a that's a funny zinger, but we have to we have to cl- we have to make sure everyone understands. Patrick l- sent this before he went to Japan, and then we were like, "Fuck, Patrick's in Japan. We need to bring someone else on the show," and we chose you. So. All right, I'm just razzing him. Yeah, of course, of course. All right, well, damn, I guess we're watching Tusk next episode, so that, that solves that question. I've um, been strategically avoiding watching this movie. Like, I feel like there are parties that I have not gone to because I knew that Tusk was going to be playing. Well, so maybe we go. you can. Uh, maybe you'll be absent next episode too. <laughs> yeah, maybe um, I should book a vacation. Well, yeah, we both. We, you know, we. we I, I think we all sort of uh, are on the same page with Patrick in one way or another. Obviously, he liked the movie a lot, like you guys, but he shared my criticism, which is that you know it's, it doesn't really have a lot of new stuff to say about toxic masculinity and the the way it depicts it wasn't as charming to me as as it was to patrick so well i'm sorry for that chris i'm sorry that your delicate (laughs) sensibility about toxic masculinity wasn't met (laughs) well it is all your fault so i'm glad you're sorry yeah (laughs) it's my fault sorry Well, we'll go down to the uh, we'll go down to the spoiler room and and unpack everything about men that we haven't discussed already. But before we do that, let me remind you that if you are interested in following the show in between episodes, you can find us online. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and whatever the hell they're calling Twitter these days at Amoncast E H M O N Cast. More importantly, we're on Discord. We have a really nice yes. uh, Discord community that we like to. Uh, talk to and and Stephen has a book club there and everything and it's a it's a very happy place so you can find the link to that in our show notes and you can go to every horror movie on netflix.com which is still broken but you can find a list of some of the movies that we've reviewed in the past and you can buy a t-shirt or a coffee mug that has every horror movie on netflix art on it so. yeah can I throw in a little? I want to talk about the book club for half a second because I oh, forgot yeah. to at the beginning. Uh, we just wrapped up reading Kathy Koja, local Detroit author's uh, early '90s book, Bad Brains. We had a really fun discussion uh, in the Discord lounge last night, and next we are going to read for the month of November, Chuck Tingle's Camp Damascus. And if you don't know who Chuck Tingle is, he went kind of viral several years ago. He writes very bizarre queer erotica usually about being the titles are like pounded in the butt by my uncle who's a werewolf and stuff like that he's a really funny strange guy but apparently this is a serious horror novel and apparently it's also quite scary so if you want to join in uh just go to the the thread steven's book club on our discord and we'll be happy to have your voice as we discuss this over the course of the month All right, well, we're going to go to the spoiler cave now and spoil everything about men in just a few seconds, so go watch the movie or stick around and wait for that. We've met some of your fans, and uh, we got the impression they were all male fans, the ones that we talked to, um, and that they were struggling with their manhood and that you uh, give them this message that it's okay to be a man. It's not okay. Necessary. What the hell are we gonna do with those men? These men, they're doing impossible things. They're under the streets, working on the sewers. They're up on the power lines, in the storms, in the, in the rain. What the hell are we gonna do with those men? It's not okay. It's necessary. What the hell are we gonna do with those men? They work themselves to death. All right, welcome back. We're down here in the spoiler room, ready to talk some more about men. 
And damn, things get. I mean, I've been, I've been re, I've been interrogating my review of this movie because it feels harsh to give this movie a screw it. But when I think about the end of this movie, I stand by the screw it because this movie gets very weird, very weird. Yeah, and you're kind of square, right? You don't do weird. So. I'm a little, I'm a little square. I, <laughs> I like, kidding. I like a story that has like events and isn't oh. isn't a metaphor so much all the time. <laughs> hey, fair, because I mean, like I said in my review, what happens at the end of this movie gets really weird. I'm only through this discussion starting to figure out for myself what it meant. It was my reaction to it was purely visceral, and I was into it because I like weird when it's done well, but I couldn't make heads or tails of it at first. I could see it totally losing viewers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it lost me. And the basically, the so what happens here? You would say Act uh, 3 starts when she's driving away. She finally gets her car and is like, does the thing where all the whole time being like, get in your car and go. She finally does it. Um... Hard to, hard to say, hard okay. to say, but th- things ramp up after she you know tries to go to the bar and there's too many men, so she comes home. This is after her house has already been like semi invaded, and she ends up fucking besieged by men mm. in her house. Yeah, and all the stars are here. We got landlord, we've got <laughs> nature man, we've got little boy, we've got vicar, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and. And then you some know, new, it's new faces, too. Some new faces. Mm-hmm. It, it's sort of a, a home invasion sort of thing for a minute. And she's running around with the knife and, and everything. And then at some point, she catches a whiff of dandelion seeds or something yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from the nature man. Has a euphoric experience. And then things just get really weird. She ends up seeing all of these men transform and become bulbous and wet and slimy and become uh, pregnant <laughs> and give birth through their male vaginas to In some cases. other men. <laughs> yes. And then through to other all- orifices that don't even exist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But basically the whole cast iterates through this chain of p- monstrous pregnancies and rebirths. In a very graphic, yeah. graphic way that I might say is anatomically correct. I have to give this director props because he definitely studied like what childbirth looks like. Not that I would totally know because I had a C-section, but I watched a lot of birthing videos when I was pregnant to know what to expect. And this shit was on point. It was graphic. But Anna, I, I was, I was, uh, I was given the learning experience at a young age of watching both my siblings be born. So, oh, oh. I, I can, I can sign on that it's accurate. <laughs> yeah, totally. Although maybe a little bit less disgusting and 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 mucusy and bloody and and liquidy than it is in real life in this movie. <laughs> well, also in this, they're birthing like fully formed adult humanoid <laughs> bodies, right? Yeah, it's real gross. It gave me big like um society vibes. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie. Mm-hmm. There's no, a scene sorry. at the end where there's a bunch of bunch of gross rich people's naked bodies all connected and it's 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 wild and this is the closest i've ever seen a movie come to that totally disgusting surreal and it's just happening it happens for a while it and does you're wondering like at first you're like what is this and then when is this gonna stop mm-hmm. but as it continues it gets in my opinion far less threatening she feels like it's like it, it be, it's still horrifying every time because it doesn't spare any of the graphic shots but from i think if i if i may from her vantage point it becomes a lot less threatening and horrifying and it's kind of pathetic by the end of it like she's sort of yeah. just like get it fucking get it over with <laughs> like, exactly yeah you know which we're all thinking too because we're like this it went on for an uncomfortable amount of time there were an uncomfortable amount of births given <laughs> mm-hmm. the last one from his was it from his mouth Right. Don't ask me. Feet feet first from his mouth, and that was the birth of her husband, her her dead husband. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes, I do remember the legs coming out. Yeah, that was. He was the last one. So, so every other person that had been birthed prior to that was this character. What's the actor's name? Rory Kinnear. Yeah. 
Rory Kinnear's bevy of characters that he played. But the last one was the only one that was a, a departure from that. And it was her, her husband, James. And by then she's just kind of looking at it, like, get it over with. Like I said, like, what do you want? What do you even want? <laughs> right. And her dead husband now made flesh again, sits there and she, you know, she's, at her wits end she's like i'm trying to like i'm trying to get away from you for the rest of my life basically you you won't leave me be what do you want and he says he wants to be loved right he wants, he wants her, her love. love he wants her love and she and says, i think it's i <laughs> yeah what? and she says yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> the movie <laughs> yeah that was great <laughs> yeah so i mean it's i guess <laughs> and I, uh, my interpretation of that is that since all these men are of are basically the same psychic entity if not physical entity it's basically saying that there's something the the, the root of all this is a wanting for of of love from a woman Right? Or Not necessarily sex, but love. Or attention mm-hmm. or affection. It's love. It's we want you to pay attention to us. Right. We're right? just we're just little we're just weak little men and we need a, a woman to validate us. We don't exist without your attention and without your love. Right? Yes. Look at me. I can grow, you know, b- branches out of my head. Are you paying attention? Do you love me? You know, look at me. I'm I crucified myself for you when I jumped or fell off of a building. I mean, he was literally crucified. Do you love me yet? It's like that's the message, right? Mm-hmm. Very Barbie like, yeah. right? Like that's <laughs> the messaging of Barbie with the Kens. It's like the Kens yes. don't exist if the Barbies aren't paying attention to them, right? So Barbie totally ripped off men. <laughs> wow. It's all coming together. And then, okay, I was confused by the final shot, though. Okay. I mean, maybe less so based on our conversation. Like, she walks out of the house and her friend is there. Mm. Friend who arrives is, at the house. Friend arrives and is pregnant. She smiles in recognition at her friend. And then it's over, right? And that's post-credits. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Is it? It is, cause, because the, the last scene is her saying, yeah. Right? Am I? I think I'm right about that. I, I'm not. I, I think. I think there's a. T- I think the title card "Men" shows up. It and does. Then you're it right. Goes you're away, right. And then right. she comes up, and then there's that shot, and then there's the credits. So that's not technically post credits, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, the fact that her friend was pregnant, it was like, huh, that wasn't by accident. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> was she having yeah. a baby? Do we I was that that's the joke I made to myself is it's a boy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like yes. right like like the it's like the cycle of life from original sin. I mean if you want to go there through all Yeah, of and I wonder I don't know. I feel like this movie is just so much just a mood piece and yeah. I feel like it's it's sort of it's so tempting to want to find all the symbolisms and all the meanings, but I don't know how much of that is really there and intentional. It's it, it's like, here's a mood, here's a concept, here it is depicted with a lot of visual creativity. Get on the, get on the wavelength, vibe out with it. And do what you want with it. Yeah, and I'm not sure Alex Garland found answers to his question of why am I like this and why are men like this? Mm. Well, <laughs> I don't know. You could argue that it's for the love of women, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. For the I love of women, I must make a movie about men. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys seen the movie Mother? Still no. Oh, I no. think I, I think I would like it from That's A24, isn't it? You have to watch yeah. the movie Mother. Mm. Very heavy mother vibes in this as well. So I can't, I won't say more until you've seen the movie and then we can talk offline about it. Or maybe you can invite me to to host with that one. But really. All I know about mother is that isn't there a scene where like people mm-hmm. keep sitting in the sink or on the counter or something and it gets uh-huh. really stressful? Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's the least stressful part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sign me up. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's fucked. Heavy mother vibes I got I got from this. But I think you're right, Chris. Like, maybe we're not meant to really... I love that it's interpretive. I love that it can be taken at face value as just a weirdo movie that's completely abstract and don't assign any meaning to it or assign whatever meaning you want to it, and you're probably right. But maybe that's not what the director was thinking, but you're probably right. <laughs> 
I think that's your movie. <laughs> that's your movie. <laughs> yeah, Matt, it has got me. I gotta say, it has got me thinking about the dichotomy of these male birthing scenes, and then this kind of visual reminder that only women can bring life into this world at the end. I don't know what that means. I'm going to be chewing on it for a while. I hope there's something deeper there. Otherwise I might, I might eventually walk this back to acute. At the end of the day, you know, we have a codependent relationship. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. (laughs) (laughs) Can't live with them. Can't live without them. That's a summary, Chris. Really? (laughs) Alex Garland, again, Alex Garland just repackaging ideas from 1994. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was fun. It was a fun watch. Yeah, really yeah. glad you joined us for this one. It would have been, been dire if it was just us men. I was really pumped men. when I got that text from you. <laughs> I was like, let's fucking go. <laughs> All right. So thanks for joining us. We already know what we're watching next time because Patrick left us his, his, his I would say, a more diabolical tape than Jigsaw's ever left. He's making us watch <laughs> Kevin Smith's Tusk. Yeah. Um, but I'll go in with Patrick. an open mind. You know, I don't, I don't dislike Kevin Smith. I haven't seen much of his work, um, so... Maybe you know, like the it. the greatest barrier to me to watching Tusk, beside the fact that it's based on a fucking joke on a podcast, was the, the, the grotesquerie that I'm expecting of Justin Long being turned into a walrus. But it probably can't hold a candle to the end of men. No. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little less afraid to see it now. Oh, you know what? This is, um, I didn't want to put this in horror ketchup because I didn't care, but I watched the first episode of the Goosebumps reboot on Disney Plus or on a, on a struck streamer. <laughs> I've heard really good things about it. Uh, I went, I, again, the first episode didn't blow my mind, but Justin Long is in it and he was very good. I was like, Hey, it's good to see Justin Long. And it looks like he's like, he's a, he's a good actor and he's playing like he's an adult now. So he's pl- not playing like a weird hipster guy. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more Justin Long. He was good in Barbarian too. Oh, I didn't see Barbarian yet. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, be yeah. curious to hear your thoughts. All right. Well, We'll catch you all in two weeks when we'll be watching Tusk. In the meantime, like I said, follow us on social media or check us out on Discord. Thank you again to Allison for joining. Yay, thanks so much for having me. I love you guys. And until next time, for every A24 movie on Blu-ray, I'm Chris. I'm Steven, and I watched this one on DVD. Sorry. Thanks, everybody. Allison with an I, signing off. Godspeed. See you next time. Mm -hmm.